Welcome twos and threes. Great to have you with us again. Uh, we have with us today the delight, the privilege, uh, the joy of having the wonderful Luke Collis and of course the always wonderful Christine Welton, my co-host. <laughs> uh, but Luke Collis uh, works with the evangelistic organization Unashamed in New Zealand um, and these guys they do so much they are doing so much to promote the gospel with young people in New Zealand but not just actually in terms of actually uh, promoting the gospel evangelistically uh, in and of itself they're also worked in their methodology have an idea of actually how to disciple young people uh, in terms of equipping the saints equipping them to actually serve their next generation, to help those young people actually carry the torch, pass the baton, and actually see like how could they be used as part of the growing church to serve Aotearoa. Um, I have the privilege of actually having known Luke for some time. This guy is just true blue, salt of the earth, light of the world. This guy actually has just a, such a an earnest love of Jesus. He loves seeing people saved. He loves seeing young people get to know Jesus. Um, I, I first knew him like a long time ago, just coming out of high school. Um, and yeah, for, we haven't had as much to do with each other, very little in fact, but in terms of just all the social media that he actually is doing all the touring around that you that he's being given the opportunity by god to do you can see that same level of authenticity that same person that i knew him to be back then uh just going from strength to strength that given the man of god that he is so won't go too much into detail there you know uh because we'll allow the conversation itself to actually explore that nuance luke Thank you so much for actually coming on. Real, real privilege to be chatting with you today. Jared, it's awesome to be here, bro. I'm looking forward to having this conversation. Good. Fantastic. <laughs> and bro, um, yeah, we go way back, eh? Way back, back, way back. Back then, you didn't have a beard quite like you had today. <laughs> and it's filled out nicely there, bro. I yours is handsome man you know my my joke that i has it have at school often enough is i have to grow a beard or i look like one of the year 13 students like at two baby faced <laughs> <laughs> i have to have that layer of differentiation <laughs> um cool so at this point uh we'll go into our intro two or three games is a series of conversations with Christian brothers and sisters, considering their efforts and contributions to the kingdom vocationally, their stories and testimony of God's sovereignty and grace, and an opportunity to tackle the relevant issues the church faces in the 21st century. In this, we seek to equip the saints by networking within the body, starting the conversation around often taboo subjects and seeking to develop unity across Christian denominations and traditions by opening up uh, discussion on worthy and necessary topics. We want to help educate the wider body of Christ by asking experts and people of wisdom across multiple fields the hot button questions and sophisticated questions that we believe there are answers for in Christchurch, but that there is not necessarily always access to. We want to further the growth of knowledge and wisdom in ourselves, to worship God with our minds and fellowship with all of you as we collectively seek to discern what God-glorifying discipleship looks like for us in our respective vocations and in our spheres of influence. 
It is our heart and hope that Christ himself would be in our midst as we converse about things we believe he himself is very interested in. Welcome twos or threes. Thank you for gathering with us. Right, so Luke, dear Mr. Luke Collis, uh, again, thank you for being with us. I thought we'd actually start off our time together. Um, I've given a little bit of a plug as to who you are, but perhaps actually you could just uh, tease a little bit about who you are. Now, we'll put some links for context in the description if anyone uh, wants to see this afterwards, uh, either, you know, Apple Podcasts or YouTube, wherever you view this the authentic men's magazine uh, interview that you did that actually gives a really good overview as to who you are and what you're about but yeah I thought I'd actually we'd give you this first part of the interview to actually just get to know a little bit about you your testimony your walk and who you are um sound okay with you friend sounds good man sounds good <laughs> let me yeah, so yeah I I'm uh, married to Jess uh, we've got four kids uh, we are living in the mighty Hawke's Bay. Uh, I haven't actually always, that's the one. Mm. Yeah, it's funny, we've we've moved back there after living in the Waikato for about seven years. Mighty Waikato. Um, <laughs> yeah, the Waikato. <laughs> that's right. Mm. Uh, you know, moved move to the Hawke's Bay just to be close to family um, mm. because I travel fair, a, a fair bit. And, um, but it's actually a beautiful place to live. Uh, I um, lead a ministry called Unashamed. You know about that. Uh, started, bro. Like I worked actually worked out just a couple of days ago how long now I've been in full time ministry. Hmm. Do you have any idea? Well, I mean, you, you started that? in the year that I met you. You were working for open air campaigners and turning for them, and they are. They're like an evangelistic organization which is seeking to yeah, do open air campaigning, basically like actually that form of evangelism with people. Um, but that would have been your first year, is that correct? Or longer I than I can't that? remember, bro. But <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll spare you the working out, bro. Fifteen years. Fifteen wow. years, man. Well you, bro. So yeah, so I felt um I felt the Lord call me to full time ministry, nearly straight after school. Mm. So um I I was I was in school I was actually doing gateway um I was intending on being a builder so mm. so one day a week I'd go and work with the builder and I I expected that actually that's where God would call me um mm. would be to to build houses and. Mm. I was planning on subdividing land. I had big, you know, intentions to subdivide land and make lots of money. And I thought I'd be funding kingdom work and that sort of stuff. And then my apprenticeship fell through. And uh, I tried to get another one, but it was like 2008. I think the 2008 financial crisis yeah. had heard, yeah. and therefore it was a bit hard to, to get an apprenticeship. Nobody wanted to take on apprentices. So I was out of an apprentice uh, apprenticeship. I got this part, uh, this full time job working at this factory, and honestly, I felt like my life was going nowhere. Mm. I uh, felt a bit discouraged, and I was battling with some stuff in, inside my own heart. And and I was work walking home from school and uh, from work one day uh, after my parents had forgotten to pick me up from work, and it was Been pitch there. dark. 
<laughs> yep, that's right. <laughs> My car was getting looked at at the time. It was pitch black dark. I couldn't see anything except for the stars and the moon. Mm. Uh, but even the moon, I, I don't even think the moon was out. It was dark. And so I was wandering around. My parents lived rurally. There were no street lights out there. I was wandering around in the dark. And actually at that moment, I just, I got ticked off at God. I, again, I felt like my life was going nowhere. And I shouted at him. And I said, God, are you even there? Do you really have a plan and purpose for my life? I remember falling to the ground and, um, and looking at the stars. And this, this verse that I'd learned as a child popped into my head. Um, the heavens declare the glory of God and the skies proclaim the work of his hands. And then uh, I saw something in the sky that I will never forget. The biggest, brightest shooting star. And it flashed right across the night sky. And uh, I heard God speak to me, not to my ears, but to my heart. And he said, Luke, I love you. And it was like at that moment, all question of his reality vanished. And I knew that I wanted to follow him with my whole heart my whole life and I knew that he had a plan and purpose for my life and, and the next morning I got up uh, and I went down to the sound uh, sound shell I spent 500 bucks on a guitar which was everything that I had and I got this guitar the next morning I went down to the down to the river and I started to spend time with Jesus and I just strum away to him and spend time with him and read his word and I couldn't play for peanuts I couldn't <laughs> sing for peanuts, but he didn't care whether didn't I could care. stay in tune. Let's make a joyful just... noise. <laughs> make a joyful <laughs> And I just felt like the Holy Spirit was just really touching my heart. It was giving me fresh mm. mana so regularly, you know, like mm. I, you know, every morning he was waiting and he was wanting to speak to me. He was wanting to spend time with me. And I, you know, there were the odd morning that I'd miss it and I, I didn't feel his condemnation. I felt, you know, I, I felt his hand. I felt him his, his encouragement to come back. And so uh, in that time, God, God opened a door actually to spend, to attend a school run by OAC. It was uh, called the, the OAC School of Evangelism. And uh, it intrigued me because uh, they told me about this one week at the end. It was a seven-week course, one week at the end. You were told to go out, go out and use everything you'd learned, but to trust God for everything. You weren't allowed to ask for anything. You were just to trust him and go. And you were to share about Jesus as you went. And they promised that God would provide. Like real kind of sending out the 70 kind of... You know, Bro, it was like that. practice. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, so we yeah, went out in teams. And that really excited me because, you know, I'd heard all these stories about God um, moving and providing in miraculous ways, but I'd never experienced it for myself. Mm. Um, minus that encounter that I had with him that night. Mm. And so uh, I, I turned up and I felt like I was back at school, like just learning, you know, sitting down in the classroom, learning all this stuff. But I valued the hour that we would spend every single day hitting the streets and sharing about Christ. <clears throat> but I was actually full of the fear of man. I was afraid. 
and I would keep quiet as other people would speak out. But on that faith week, we left, and it was like the fear of man broke off me, and it was like I became a wild man for Jesus, <laughs> and it was just like I just every single person. I wasn't afraid, and it was like the Holy Spirit had had filled me. You know, like on the day of Pentecost, they were filled with the with courage and boldness, and they went out in power, right? Yeah. The Holy Spirit empowered them to preach the gospel in the language of the people. I really felt like that. So that there was the beginning of my ministry journey. And that set a, like a platform to actually join mm. OAC and then um, and the rest is history. You know, mm. now we run the show. And so uh, that's kind of my story in a nutshell. Uh, while I was in the Hawke's Bay actually doing an internship with OAC, I met my lovely wife, Jess. And, and uh, yeah. So and was he, is she part of, of was she part of OAC as well? No, she wasn't. Actually, I was, I was um, witnessing out on the street and um, there she was. I had to share Jesus with her. I converted her and she became my wife. No, I'm just kidding. That's not <laughs> a cool story. <laughs> no, I, I, but it is true that I was out on the street. I, I saw her. She noticed me. And um, turns out, you know, because she was friend with the, friends with another guy that was out on the street with me, another believer. Mm. And so uh, we ended up connecting at a Bible study. And uh, you, single people start going along to Bible studies. Great place <laughs> to meet girls <laughs> and guys. Wait, hang on. You're, you're not advocating flirt to convert, just to be clear, though, are you? <laughs> I'm just, I'm just I mean, my husband, my husband was telling me somebody at work the other day was asking where to meet nice, nice single men, and he was like, "You got to go to church." You got to go to church. <laughs> you're not no, going to find him in the bar. You got to go to church. Yeah. I'm not big on flirt to convert. But I am. Hey, if you want to go to a Bible study, you'll find other hungry people there. It's a good place to go. You know, hungry men and women who love with Jesus. Good place Amen. To go. Amen. Yeah. Um, hey, to, for context, Luke, as well. Um, so you're originally from Levin, is that correct? That's the one. Uh, yeah, and... well, kind of all over the show, okay. to be honest. Because I, from what I gather as well, you're your parents, like they've been involved in pastoral ministry for a number of years, like for a long time, right? That's, that's right. Yes. Would it in be fact, fair to say, uh, I was just going to say, like, would it be fair to say you were a, a PK? <laughs> uh, no, I wasn't a PK. I was an EK. EK. I was an evangelist kid. Evangelist kid. I like that. Oh, wow, so your <laughs> so, parents were evangelizing as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so my, my, wow. um, my dad was an evangelist and he was actually mm. with OAC for uh, for a number of years. He was the national director of OAC. Mm, the first year wow. of my life, I was like on the road, um, wow. you know, I don't know, but I was on the road the whole year mm, as he wow. traveled to the nation and preached the gospel. Yeah. And so to, to be honest, like from a young age, I just thought you're a Christian. You're passionate about, you like, you want to see other people come to know Christ. Mm. you know it's just a natural thing i just thought mm. to be honest to begin with i just thought all christians just naturally shared wherever they went <laughs> about jesus mm. i didn't think anything different so i did you know and mm. like i'd lead my friends to christ in mm. primary school and it was just a natural 
kind of thing that that came out. And our, our kids oh, actually we brought brought up our kids. No, go my parents, I would say. <laughs> Your parents. <laughs> they demonstrated. I just I just um I copied what they did and I was you know, I'd met Jesus. I think I was five years old when I gave my life to Christ for wow. you know really would it be would it be fair to say that like actually you know there's kind of like a on the shoulders of giants motif right there's a there's an idea of legacy there there's would it be fair to say that actually what unashamed is now and we'll get to what an unashamed is specifically but that is building on actually who your parents are and actually what they instilled into you do you think that became possible because of their investment their kind of their harvest you could say would you would you that be fair to say oh 100 yeah we mm. stand on the shoulders of those who've gone before before us you know and mm. i really do feel as though that's the case mm. um yeah they've yeah they've demonstrated it and uh, mm. um i would say it's it's not just my parents i would say it's primarily my parents but also say that there were, there were other individuals that got alongside me, like a guy called Jeremy Dempsey from OAC, mm. got alongside me, really encouraged me, um, challenged me in my walk with Jesus. Mm. The amount of con conversations I'd have, like, Jeremy, bro, I can't do this. I just can't keep sharing about Christ. Like, it's discouraging sometimes. It's hard. Mm. You know, I'm feeling down or whatever. And he'd be like, Luke, are you spending time with Jesus? I'd be like, oh. Actually, I've neglected my quiet times. Mm. And then it would all make sense. I'd reintroduce them, and then suddenly I was full of the Holy Spirit getting out there <laughs> with courage. Yeah. You know, so, but, you know, so there were individuals in my life who also really spurred me on and encouraged me, but primarily mm. my parents. Yeah. I just wanted to touch on so the quiet times, I mean, that's something that is obviously really big for you. And I mean, is that something that a, have you continued to this day? And B, as a new mum, how on earth do you do that with children? <laughs> and like, like I, I, I really struggle with that at the moment. Like I get time to read my Bible, but it's often while I'm feeding him for the first time. So it's not like, it's, it's always in conjunction with doing something mum rather than quiet, peaceful, you know, <laughs> time with Jesus. Mm. Like, okay, sure. You know, it's yeah. not necessarily, yeah, when I say quiet time, maybe that's just a, a, a way to communicate it that maybe isn't always accurate. Sometimes it's a very loud, loud time. You know, sometimes just, yeah, it's a loud time. I mean, for example, I mean, a living situation isn't really at the moment, just presently isn't conducive to, to spending time with the Lord every morning. I love the rhythm of having a space that I can go mm. and just spend time with the Lord, but it's hard at the moment. So I, mm. I, I totally get you. Um, mm. Jess is the same. She, she finds that difficult. What we've done instead is we've decided every morning over breakfast, uh, we, we have breakfast with the kids and then we, um, we open up God's word and we reread and, we um, allow the kids to ask questions and then we pray. And and so for, for Jess, it's a time, and for me actually, it's a time that we, every morning, it's consistent and it's uh, it's together as a family. Mm. Um, you, uh, growing up, we weren't 
hugely good at that but i would i would i would wake up in the morning to see my dad um out in the living room at 6 a.m spending his time with the lord um i would say there are seasons um there are seasons that are easier to do that Um, and um but I, I think the key is that we just continue on that relationship and, and yeah. we, when we can, we do. Mm. Um, but at the same time, I, I think, you know, some people have this feeling of judgment or condemnation that they're not spending time with the Lord. I don't think God's like that. Like I mentioned, you know, um, he beckons us. It's not like you better spend time with God. It's like, He's not standing there with a stick ready to hit you over the head when you miss your quiet time, your time mm. with the Lord. No. Mm. He, he beckons us. He's come, come, my son, come, my daughter, mm. spend time with me. I enjoy it. He's waiting. Mm. And so it's just when, yeah, I think we make it a priority and we, we try our best to put things in place that we can, but sometimes we've got to get a bit creative. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Nice. So, something i'm kind of conscious of as well luke like when we met each other that was goodness as long as 12 13 years ago and like i'm, I'm curious then to be like uh I, I you know connecting over social media and seeing kind of you know glimpses of who you are and what you're doing i can see the work that god's been doing in and around your life since but i'm, I'm curious like you know you know we obviously have our time constraints but i am curious just to like say like you know what has god been up to in your life you know you've obviously married your beautiful wife you've had these four beautiful children like uh yeah like as open-ended as as i can make that what what has been uh what has it been that god has been taking you on because in amongst that time has also been the formation of this vision the stream that is unashamed is that correct that's right yeah Mm. so so I, I served the vision of a number of organizations um, for a time and mm. super happy to do that. I felt as though I could, you know, really, you know, help spread the gospel and help people with with what God had given them on their heart and come under some awesome people. But I there came a time where we we felt as though the Lord was saying, you know, I've we've you know I've given you now a vision that I want you to pursue, mm. and uh, we had actually been working for our church at the time, and uh, we saw this powerful. Um, so so we moved from Hawkes Bay, Jess and I, to the Waikato, mm. um, and worked for a, a youth organisation, the Waikato, and then worked for a an evangelistic youth organization then worked for our church uh, running an internship. And during that time, we saw quite a powerful move of God in a little town called Narawawahia. You guys ever heard of Narawawahia? Yeah. Yeah. I've done a number yeah, of camps yeah. there myself. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, hmm. it's the one. Hmm. And so, um, you know, it's a, it's a town that uh, has a lot of um, neglect, uh, gangs, uh, it's it can be a dark place um you know the beautiful thing about narawahia though is you you go there at night and you see this big uh cross that is that is is, uh, lit up on the hill it's quite quite beautiful anyway um 
hey, like God, uh, the, God's light shines brightest in darkness, right? Anyway, so um, we we were in Narawahi and we saw quite a powerful move of God um, among the young people. So we just started hanging out with youth down at the skate park with a bunch of young adults and, and youth started to come um, on a regular basis as we ran the sausage we started to uh, share Jesus and young people started coming to faith. And it was quite a powerful time as these young people responded. We realized um, that actually we were leading a youth group down at the skate park. <laughs> and uh, it was a regular thing. It was cool, but it was starting to get dark. And so we realized we needed to uh, get, get inside. And so at that time, our church uh, was actually planting a church a new kind of campus or new uh, church, church gathering or service um, in Narawa here. And we were going out of town for, for church. So this was something new and it wasn't too far from the skate park. So we were like, okay, guys, we're going to start gathering at the church, at, at, sorry, at this building. It's actually in between two pubs. And so mm. uh, we started <laughs> to gather there and, um, and the school opened up to us and they were like, look, we want our, young people getting involved with community organizations like they can yeah come promote anything you know we ran like a an evangelistic event and all these young people came and it was powerful like they were hungry mm. you know and we just we preached the gospel in a very creative way and um and young people they just responded and it was a very large response and very genuine and full of tears and snot and ministry. <laughs> and it was just powerful. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, even the head boy came along and he wrote this write-up. And in fact, I wish I had it so I could read it to you. But this write-up he posted on Facebook and he was just like, I am blown away by this. We need our young people here. And so, yeah, so that, it blew me away because these young people, it, it wasn't like they had heard the gospel before and then they rejected it and now they were accepting it. Oh. It was that actually they had never heard the gospel before. Mm. They had never heard it. You know, and that just affected me. I was just like, what? Mm. They didn't know the first thing. Mm. You know, they thought maybe the most they knew was that Jesus was born on Easter and died on Christmas. That's probably what they thought. You know what I mean? You know, they, they knew very, very little. It's, and it's, I, they were presented. Yeah. Sorry, like, as I, I remember reading about the story, like, in doing the research for you, it struck me that you said that we're, basically, the spirit led you to running a youth group, right? <laughs> in the skate park. You said the skate park was adjacent to a church. Like it was like right outside this building, these young people were meeting and it's like, they, they had no exposure. They'd never heard of the gospel. And it's just like, rather than, Hey, they should come to you. It's rather, it's like, we should go to them is almost like the emphasis, right? Like step out the front door. Yeah. And how crazy, like from that, you saw this organic need. It's like, Oh, I guess we're doing a youth group now. Cause how did you frame it? these young people need discipleship they're responding to the gospel but now they need to learn how to walk out their faith that's that's how you're articulating it right mm. yeah 100 
Mm. And um, we, you know, I mean, actually after that move of God, we saw and those young people come to faith in quite a large number. We had actually planned to take that same event or gathering or outreach to like Hawke's Bay, actually, to some connections that we had here. And I just had to call them up and say, I'm really sorry, guys. Like, we've got to disciple these young people and mm. we can't, we can't come. This has got to be our priority. Mm. And so we, uh, every day, like we gathered with them um, every every day um, straight out after school. We gave them a, a feed and then we gathered with them and shared about what the next steps were in following Jesus. Wow. And so, mm. so yeah, and, and then there was the regular youth group every single mm. week. Mm-hmm. So we really looked to, you know, cheer them on and we wanted them to get a, a great start. Many mm. of those young people, they continued along to the end, you know, and it was beautiful. And it's it wow. sounds as if as well, like also like seeing that trajectory, you know, from what God was doing, you know, Levin, right, you know, raising up there, uh, what God was doing in that time of open air campaigners, uh, also introducing you to your wife as well, you know, <laughs> That's right. um, That's right. uh, and then also placing in the Waikato, there did seem to be a fanning of this flame, right? Because it wasn't long after that from, you know, obviously, you know, community organizations in the local area being like, you know, oh, how can we support this? And then on the back of actually the success of this event, you know, praise God, right? That wasn't it true that in the wider Hamilton, didn't they actually want to replicate what had been done here? Was that correct? So, yeah, totally. Um, So after seeing what God had done in Narawahia, hmm. I was like, you know, it was like God suddenly gave me a burden to see this happen, not just in Narawahia, but nationwide. Mm. And so I I actually I pulled together a bunch of youth groups oh. and said, guys, like, what would it look like to reach the youth of Hamilton? How about we, like, come together? We communicate the gospel really creatively, pull together the cre- creative arts. So I'm talking about music and rap and dance and spoken with poetry and, and and film and just anything you can think of that that is a means of communication. How about we pull those those things together and we look to communicate the gospel through the creative arts and then we'll sum it up with the gospel message and uh and see young people hopefully come to faith and so we ran our first gathering there was like 20 partnering youth groups from around the area and uh and young people came and it was it was packed we we went ahead and hired this big venue and it was uh it was just beautiful the turnout and and uh the unity and and then that you know that opened the door up for for another one that next year while I was still leading the youth group and, and that sort of stuff, we were like, let's run another one. And then uh, Bay of Plenty opened up. They were like, Hey, how about run one here? And I'm like, bro, you know, let's do it. And so Bay of Plenty opened up and then Wanganui and then smaller towns all over the show. And then all these areas started to open up and people were hungry for it. Um, you know, what you know? What I consistently heard, not so much from the younger people, but from the older people, were were, were things like, um, 
we used to do this sort of stuff. Mm. You know, the gospel used to be communicated like this and young people used to be being reached. You know, we had something called Youth for Christ mm. that would go all over the show. They'd be preaching the gospel in very creative ways, but they kind of, they they lost the vision for it or, you know, they stopped mm. stopped doing it. Mm. And, uh, but there's a, there's a gap there. And, uh, and you guys are doing it. This is like Youth for Christ. It's like we're bringing back Youth for Christ. You know, uh, these um, these parents were very, very excited about it. Oh. And so I had to learn a bit about the past and wanted to learn lessons from the past and, and be encouraged by what the Lord had done there. Oh. And um, So, yeah, so that's unashamed. But events is only one aspect. Um I mean, the events, the, the purpose of the events are twofold. Yes, to reach young people with the gospel who have never stepped foot in the church, but also um, to equip and encourage those who do know Jesus to get out there. You know, we preach the gospel. We call young people to place their trust in Christ. And often they'll come in their droves and the Lord will move in powerful ways. Right. And then that provides a great opportunity then to say look guys jesus is real he want he is sending you out into the harvest the harvest is plentiful the laborers of you we can see god move uh in our city in this city mm. you know or in this town let's reach every young person in, in this town with the message of jesus mm. so that, that actually that is the the vision the mm. dream of, of unashamed every mm. young person in Aotearoa reached with the message of Jesus mm. and we you know that's just that's not like pie in the sky like that's no. that's what we're really pushing for mm. and obviously as as time gets goes on young people get older and young people you know come into that age and out of that age but there's a desperate need to see that message get out to every young Person. So, so that's what we're about. So uh something I'm struck by. Uh this is basically obviously with this vision that you feel uh, inspired to capture and also this methodology of actually wanting to do these training camps to actually train up young people like you know, it's not about me, it's not about the sage on stage, it's about actually the methodologies in scripture that actually no, God is equipping this person and then he's going to equip five and then he's going to equip 10 like that. It's like, it's not about the one person. It's about actually how the spirit like actually uses the body. But you do, from what I've seen articulated, you do have the strategic aim of obviously COVID uh, affected this, you know, affected everybody in terms of the church. But you've got this uh, long-term goal to be running annual events in seven regions of New Zealand by 2023. Uh, and that you have, uh, you'll actually achieve seven regions, like you did that in 2021, right? Like then there's obviously, I know you aim to want to do like three events in every region. Uh, in two years, God willing, you'll have unashamed events in 12 regions, maybe even up to 14. I mean, the information I'm regard relying on there, maybe it even a bit dated. So I'm wondering if even you could actually fill it in a little bit to actually say, actually, this is where we are now. Yes, so COVID was a weird time, eh? Mm. Like mm. a weird time. Um, uh, you know, it 
it did affect our gatherings and obviously you, you can't gather um in large number um we did get creative while still abiding by covid restrictions uh you know uh, wanganui actually <laughs> we we you know the limit i think was 200 um in a venue so we we put very large barriers um <laughs> up a venue in the middle <laughs> It went all the way down the street with two separate bathrooms. And we called them up, made sure it was okay. They were very happy and they were very impressed by our hard work. And so as a result, we were able to have uh, that place packed out with our young people. I know it's a bit naughty. I feel naughty. But we're obeying the, the restrictions. And you no obeying the rules? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, hmm. You know? As long as I was a bane of the laws, you yeah. know, I wasn't going to go any further yeah. than that, to be honest. And everybody yeah. knows that COVID can't go over barriers. Like, everybody <laughs> knows that. <laughs> it, it is funny, like, you hear a lot of stories in ministry of just Holy Spirit inspiring creativity. Just like, you know, yeah. you know what? what's one name I've heard some friends say recently? Jehovah Sneaky? <laughs> <laughs> which I quite like. <laughs> it's yeah, like you know, there 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 are discerning ways to kind of well, it's still keeping the rules, but it's a little yep. bit cheeky. And I I love that our God can be like that sometimes, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so like after COVID, obviously you uh you have this aspiration to kind of take the vision of Unashamed to more regions as new in New Zealand. Is that correct? Exactly. I was actually I was actually given a six month sabbatical after COVID. I just needed to refresh my mind and refresh the vision. I've come at it out of that with a, uh, a refreshed vision and a fire to see to see this happen again. Um, now, areas are just popping up all over the show, and we just we're struggling to keep up with it. So it's as we, I mean, again, weird COVID time. We, you know, we're we're building. Um, we're building the team up again. We've got a large team of vol volunteers, but a lot of what we do requires probably a bit more than that as well. And a lot of organization on my part too. Uh, so, but the, yeah, the plan is, um, you know, the the initial dream was to see that happen uh, seven regions by um, 2023. Um, I, I actually think we're, um, we're going to smash that. Uh, and I'm pushing for it will be running more events than 11. Uh, but it's not just the, the outreach gatherings. We're also running something called boot camps, evangelism boot camps. You know, I was, my life was changed on that, uh, that evangelism outreach. This is yeah. geared towards young people. 10 yeah. days during their school holidays. It's most of their school holiday break, nearly two weeks of their school holiday break. And they come. Uh, we do some team building exercises, pull them together as a team, get them out of their comfort zones a little bit. Uh, we actually took this crew caving and then, uh, you know, the, our past, the past crew. And then what we do is we go through uh, things like quiet time, how to, how to have time with the Lord, mm -hmm. um, how to grow in your faith. Um, we go through things like, um, hey, how to be free from, you know, freedom stuff young people for the first time <laughs> get freedom it is just it is a powerful powerful time 
and what we've seen actually is young people, uh, and then we train them up and we release them into outreach and mission uh, for that for that time. And so they have opportunities to to uh, to be involved with outreach, both uh, from a stage and also one to one. And we raise them up into that. We see young people go from timid to bold. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about on fire, like young girl who came along, a Maori girl, Tatiana, she came along uh, very timid. Um, she found herself preaching at an event in front of about 500 people out in a mm-hmm. park. And with tears rolling down her cheeks, Mm. she preached the gospel, shared her testimony. Mm. And people stood with their mouths open, like, you know, like, you know, it was, it was very powerful. Mm. And that situation, like God empowered her because Mm. she didn't know what she was about to say. And just before I was going to get up to preach, I felt that she was to get up instead. You know, <laughs> she had no op- I said, Tatiana, get up there. I'd like you to share. <laughs> and she got up there and preached the gospel with power. It was beautiful. Wow. Wow. And so just many young people um, just stepping out of their comfort zone. Oh, I could tell so many stories. So that's just kind of, yeah. So we're going to be running um, a whole bunch of outreaches and we're, we're hunting for the youth groups that, that are that are um, and individuals who are passionate and who are hungry to see God move in the area, and we just we're at the moment going for the hungry ones, and um, so so yeah, um, the hungry. Ones. I'm, I'm just I'm sitting here getting excited. Like this I'm is just so my jam right now. I'm just like, <laughs> man, where do I sign up? How do I get involved? What do I do? <laughs> <laughs> as well like from what luke is articulating there's like there's community organizations clearly in different contexts adjacent to what the work at unashamed is doing it's like they're recognizing that there is a benefit and they're going Mm. like you know like hey we're secular but Mm. this is positive you know this is good you know like why are we not coupling with this like it is seeing breakthrough seeing freedom seeing lives change in these young people why would we not be for that and so yeah. people not being obstructions to the gospel, it seems that the spirit is giving you this unique avenue in which to do that in terms of actually how Unashamed is operating. But I'm also curious, like from what you said about these these boot camps, they're, they're reasonably exclusive, right? Like you don't have a lot of kids going to these because you want to be selective and you really want to disciple well. Is that right? Yeah, we, we, we more like handpick. 10 or so young people mm. that, right. that's, a, okay. that's t- 10 do young you, people do yeah we may, may do larger them? ones in the future what's that sorry do you fund them to go because i'm assuming you you will see kids who can't afford yeah. like a 10-day camp like i doubt yeah. we work with them um and approach help approach their their church leadership right. to fund them okay 
because I, you know, there's there's something about that. I feel like there's a partnership that that can really yeah, be, and, and actually, yeah. that uh, mm. you know, their church leadership have always been excited to do that. Awesome. Yeah, that's cool. So, that's that, cool. that's the, that's a good practice as well. Like, uh like like reading up about how you do it. Like the methodology seems like so biblically based on like a number of levels. You know, like I love the way you outwork discipleship and the, the way the method by which you do things because like even in that there's an opportunity you're actually implicitly teaching churches how to you know support their ministry you know support their mm-hmm. missionaries you know you're actually teaching them it's like hey it doesn't have to be like this person with all these qualifications and these degrees it's like here's a person they've got an evident desire and hunger they're wanting to be grown and equipped you know this is a you know you might look at it as a small thing but like a 10-day t- a investment could change your life right and like how good that you're actually teaching, you know, with young people as well. Like that's the other thing. It's not like necessarily old, experienced, you know, crusty ginger hair teachers, like you know, <laughs> young people. And I love that because as a as a teacher, like you're thinking like, hey, these young people, they're hungry, they want to do exciting things for God. Mm. Here's an opportunity. Like, you know, mm. like on a number of levels, you're actually I mean, it's the spirit's idea, right? How church works, how ministry works. Of course, it's going to be good if it works in that way, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so get this, okay? Mm. I just come back from an Easter camp, okay? And uh, just, <laughs> I just feel like jumping out of the car with joy. Like, just what God did at that Easter camp was beautiful. And it just refreshed my mind. You know, that that moment where young people come to faith. I, I got to journey a little bit more with these young people than I than I usually do. Usually because we partner with local churches, young people who come to Christ. We we may see them down the track, uh, but we we won't be able to journey with them in the days afterwards. Whereas mm. at this camp, we're able to hear the stories. We're able to sit down with the young people. Who, you know, it was actually powerful. Like these young people come to come to Christ and one particular girl we provided an opportunity for them to just share what the Lord had done in their in their hearts over the camp and and uh and she wanted to uh to share and so she came up and just in a nutshell I can't go into too much detail oh well her name but I can tell her story and that is um she is from a Muslim background um her parents were quite staunch um, she uh, one day decides to read the book of Luke and she's captivated by Jesus and she decides then she wants to follow him. Her parents, she has very few Christian friends, but a couple of them give her a bit of guidance. And uh, But she hasn't been going along to a church or anything like that. So then her parents um, find out that she's wanting to follow Christ and they say, you've got to leave how dare you betray us like this you are to never see your siblings again you're you're to leave so she's kicked out of home and she's she's taken to um she goes to her friend's place and she's staying with her parent uh, friend's parents wow so anyway so she she's scanning facebook you know or online and she comes across this camp this easter camp so she turns up by herself Wow. Wow. She turns up by herself. How old is this girl? Can I ask? She's she was 18. Okay. 
She turns up by herself. And there she she's not just hearing about Jesus. She experienced him. <laughs> just she's just, you know, she she responded, she gave her life to Christ, she experienced him in just a very powerful way. You know, she's weep. So she's telling the story and everybody's mm. like listening. Powerful. And so then we I, I'm like, okay, guys, let's pray. Let's pray. And so it, the whole, the whole um, Easter camp gets around her, and we all pray for her. Wow! Beautiful moment, powerful. Yeah, you know, she's we've been ex, you know experiencing this community that she's been longing for. Turns out, um, the 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 director from the camp has already chatted with her, and they're they're planning to take her along to uh, church on a regular basis and use it with the ride with the ride. That's cool. That's so, great. so anyway, bro, this this is this is just the beginning. So anyway, but I'll I'll finish up soon. But this is cool, man. So anyway. <laughs> don't rush. Don't uh, rush. Yeah, yeah. So so we're in we're in worship, bro. And one of the dudes came came up to me who's running the camp and he's like, bro, I've got to I've got to talk to you about something. I said, okay, we, we go off. He goes, so um you know that girl? I'm like, yeah. He's like, uh, he's like, uh, she wants to get baptized. Now, generally, we don't, we don't baptize um, mm. people at the camp because we generally allow that as part, you know, of the church community. Church, but she yeah, has yeah, yeah. Mm, yeah. Uh, what do you think? I'm like, bro, let's do this. Um, let's chat to her first, and you know, so let. But this sounds awesome. We were able to just share some scripture with her. She knew the cost and she got baptized. It was like, this isn't just, this isn't just a one-off thing. This is, this is her for life. And her parents may see that and that's going to be even more difficult. And I said, are you sure you want to get baptized? And she said, sorry, what, what was that? She's like, I'm like, are you sure you want to get baptized? She said, are you kidding me? Yes, I want to get baptized. So anyway, we baptize her. Everybody gets around her and prays for her. That's beautiful. I'm just about to leave, and she races up to the window. She's like, hey, before you go, can I ask you? I, You know, you told told us about this boot camp. Can, can I please learn more information? I'd like to wow. attend, please. Wow. <laughs> you know? And so... So you see these stories. This mm, is one of many mm. stories from from, but one that really stands apart. And God is moving among young people. Yeah. Like, seriously, yeah. like that. But what's crazy is that young people are taking their lives in record number, depression yeah. and anxiety and suicide mm. consistently. Mm. The reason why I believe is because they've been sold a lie from their childhood. Many of them through the education system, through TV, through social media, through all avenues that there is no God. Mm. And I know mm. the feeling as a yeah. ten teenager, the, the thought that there was no God terrified me yeah. because mm. if there was no God, there was no purpose for my life. Yeah. There was no moral direction for my life. Yes. There was no real value uh -huh. for my life. There mm. was it's no hope. Hope. Yeah, no hope. there's no, no hope. Without God, no. there is no hope. Yeah, exactly. I was, I was that young know, person. Yeah, there we go. Man. Yeah, mm. yeah. Mm. And it's like you find God and he gives you hope. And it's yeah. like suddenly your entire world changes. Mm. And it's just like that's what they need. They need hope. Mm.
this is making me so emotional. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Who came to earth on a rescue mission for them, who endured the cross as the ultimate expression of love, who was beaten for them, who was whipped through them, who who came to earth to die, to to rescue them and reunite them with with him. You know, then they come, they they realize that there was a God, that there's a God who who values and cares for them, and it's just like there is hope. There is my direction, <laughs> and so uh, yes. So we see these. In fact, one of the one of the young girls who came along to our youth group ended up becoming head girl at a local school, hmm. um, and that was the same girl who was struggling with self harm, and the Lord set her free, and she hmm. became head girl at the local school. Oh, that's hmm. pretty cool. Anyway, hmm. God, you know, God is at work, man, and and hmm. uh, you know, I mean, I honestly like yes. You know, there's a place for um, there's a there's a place for you know counselling and education, of course stuff. But it's just not it's not uh, the hope isn't just in counselling and education and, yeah. and positive thinking. The yeah. hope is through the message of Jesus. That yeah. is the thing that brings hope and lasting freedom and direction. So, I think that the answer for our suicide rate it partly lies. In getting the gospel out there once again to our Amen. nation. Amen. Amen. But I'm fired up over here. There we go. But I'm here's like, the no, thing. I keep preaching. Here's, here's the thing. Jesus, when he saw the crowds, he saw that they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Yeah. And he said, The harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few. Mm. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into mm. his harvest field. Mm. My prayer consistently is, Lord, raise up harvesters into the mm. harvest field. Mm. There are not enough. Man, we need them. You feel mm. a, a pull to, to youth ministry and reaching mm. young people for, for Christ. Mm. join us whether it's full-time or part-time there's my plug join pray about joining <laughs> us mm. whether it be volunteers or maybe maybe running something in your area you know um because because the harvest is plentiful but the laborers a few and it's they're out there in great numbers I love that. Thank you. Bro, man. after this, uh, we're so chatting. Oh, I'm just letting you know. <laughs> <laughs> I will. <laughs> <laughs> How can I help, eh, Christine? That's what you want to yeah, know. Yeah, I'm like, um, I know I've got a baby, but I'm sure he can come along to it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Luke did. Luke did, right? Luke right, was right. a baby, you know. <laughs> right, it'll be a good environment for him. It'll be fun. <laughs> totally. Yeah, there we go. Uh, that was that was you, Luke. Eh? First year of life, just soaking it up with mum and dad, you know. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, I don't remember um, a single thing, but maybe something <laughs> happened in my little baby heart. Eh? That's yeah. It, that's it. yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So I'd love to just uh, flesh out some thinking, uh, just for our listeners, just for people who'd be curious as well at this point. The work that uh, Unashamed does, like obviously you're you're describing a model that is very much centered on, yeah, like that. I forget the exact reference, but it's First Timothy, equipping the saints, you know, and 
also acknowledging that idea of like the holy spirit isn't a respecter of age right like you know youth doesn't have to be an obstacle youthfulness has, doesn't have to be an obstacle to be actually used by god but I'm curious, like, so the work involves, say, obviously you have itinerant preaching opportunities. Um, I've seen you doing, like, you know, the recent men's breakfast, which you were asked to speak at, right? Um, there's the conferences, there's camp ministries, there's this discipleship model. Um, I imagine there's also a degree of consultancy um, with church leadership for what evangelism looks like in their context, right? And training in how to do evangelism. That's all kind of what has been articulated so far, right? But I'm curious, like, uh, is there is there more there? Like, is there also, like, uh, stuff that you're eager to do, like, you know, within the apparatus that is unashamed? Is, is that something you could, like, tease out a little bit for us? Yeah, bro, 100%. Hmm. You know, I, um, I'm going to share something a bit controversial. We love controversial on this we podcast. <laughs> So I uh, I was um, at Parliament at the parliamentary protest. I oh. put it out there. Gosh. <laughs> I was one of those standing for freedom, but not just um, physical freedom. I was I was standing for spiritual freedom, and there are so many broken people as a result of what what went on. I'm and I'm uh, actually I'm glad you brought this up organically, right? Yeah. Because there's some stuff you were sharing like via your lives during that time about just what the spirit of God was doing and amongst that context. Yeah. yeah. Like, but sorry, I, I'm jumping in. You, you talk. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was, it was beautiful, man. Like, mm. so I turned up, um, now we initially weren't going to be part of it, but I, I turned up after I saw a live stream of how people were treated that day by police and we we were just going to go and support. Um, we were affected by the mandates, and so it was you know it was tough on us. Um, it felt a bit like an outcast for a time, mm. um, and it was a weird feeling because everything was up in the air when it came time to shame. We thought that there would come a time where we might just have to be breaking the law to to do what we do. It was quite mm. intense, or go underground, you know. So it was a it was a very weird time. So we're anyway we're at the protest. I, I turn up, notice that there's a guy. A, a guy says, "Oh, Luke," and I hadn't met this guy before, but I recognised him. We just connected over Facebook a while ago. I chatted to him over the phone, and so we started chatting, had this epic conversation. And he goes, "Hey, bro, I've been thinking. How about we? Uh, I've been thinking about running this prayer meeting tomorrow morning. How about we do it?" I'm like, you know. Oh, no, he's like, can, would you be keen to come? And I'm like, yeah, bro, I'll come. This is awesome. I'll be and there. And to, be, so, to be clear, this is Parliament Grounds. This is during, like, yeah, you know, the... Yeah. Totally. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> so so anyway, um, I mean, it's, bro, like, blooming, um, that dude, what's his name? Um, I forget his name. The parliamentarian <laughs> who, who turned on the, the Trevor Mallard. Oh, Trevor Mallard. Yeah. The duckies, yeah. Like, yeah, bro. So we turned up and it was just hectic. You know, there were, du there were ducks everywhere, bro. There was just like, it was just crazy, man. Mallard ducks and, and the pools created by Trev and Mallard. And, mm -hmm. and so, um, so anyway, we, uh, it was bucketing down at that time. So I woke up in the morning, um, you know, 
put my jacket on, walk down to Parliament. And as I was walking there, I felt the Holy Spirit say, Luke, you're going to be preaching today. <laughs> in your okay. heart. And so, yeah. so I turn up <laughs> and the Lord had given me a, a word. And so I turn up and we start praying and worshiping God. And there's, there's only three or four people, you know. And uh, then we, I opened my mind, eyes a couple of moments later and the place is filling up, you know, start praying again. We continue to pray and worship. And then suddenly this place is full and it's full of believers. And they are, they are bellowing out <laughs> praises to the King of Kings. And they're singing out, mm. you know, they're singing with their whole hearts. The place is packed, is jam-packed, and it's echoing right throughout the parliament grounds as mm. they're praising the Lord. And I, I look around, I'm just, it, it, it was powerful. These, these people, um, you know, many of them had not been able to gather in such a number in in a long, long time, mm, mm, mm. you know, in months. And for the mm. first time, they could gather together and sing praises to God because it was a parliament protest. <laughs> and it was beautiful. <laughs> and then afterwards, I, I, preached, I preached the gospel. And then I felt to say, look, we're going to run these every morning and every evening. <laughs> and so we started to run them every morning and evening. Wow. And you know what? Um, the, we couldn't fit in that area. We had to go out onto the streets because we were in the library area. We had to go out onto like this big kind of stair area and everybody would come. And at times there were just, I mean, there were hundreds packed into that little area, but there were hundreds upon hundreds of people and they weren't just believers. Mm. There were a lot of unbelievers there. And then suddenly this girl shows up. She's like, I saw you live. I've come from Whangarei. I want to serve. How can I serve? Turns out she's got this amazing prophetic ministry and voice where she, man, she, she plans no songs, but she, she, she would come up during like the altar call or afterwards. And the Lord would give her a song that was insane. And it would just touch hearts and it would just like break. Change, like it was just amazing and mm. so she would come up and then we had another guy turn up and just want to serve playing the bongo and and then suddenly like we had this team that became a regular team where we would gather together every morning we would pray and then we'd get into it <laughs> and then and all these people started coming to christ mm. nearly every single time we we're out there at least one person came to christ wow and sometimes there were big groups and we're struggling to minister to them all. And they're coming to Christ out on the street. Like I'm mm. leading gang members who just, one gang member, ex, uh, no, he was a gang member, came up to me. He's like, hey, bro, I didn't gather up the courage to come to the front, but I've been trying to gather up the courage to step foot in a church and I want to follow Christ, but I I haven't gathered the courage. I want to do that now. Led him. He, he just gave his life to Christ right then and there, bro. Like, you know, uh, Hari Krishna's just weeping at the front, encountering God, and then responding. I'm just like, what is going on? You know, I'm up there like, I better start preaching about, you know, the fact that Jesus is the only way. 
You know that. Uh. <laughs> you know, start preaching that Jesus is the only way. You know that yeah. that that He is the way. That He is the truth. That He is the life. There's nobody. Nobody comes to the Father except through Him. Charles Darwin is dead. You know, Buddha is dead. Mm. Hari Krishna. You know, I'm not sure that. You know, <laughs> <laughs> he's probably dead too. You know, but Jesus, he is alive. And uh, and this, you know, so I, I preached, you know, with with my whole heart, and still they responded to Christ, and very powerful. Anyway, you, you so know, you know just a, it, I was, uh, bro, I just yeah, wanted yeah. to say this. It yeah. felt like. I were, we were in the book of Acts. Like it felt yeah. like we were in yeah, yeah. the midst of revival. That's the closest thing to revival that I have ever experienced so far. Well, that's it that's what really powerful. that's what struck me because I I you know what first inspired me to actually say like I should reach out to you and say if you know a podcast. I saw those live streams. Like I saw like you know actually it's like what are all these people doing worshiping at parliament? That's cool. Like that's, that's like right, quite unique. Cause it's like in amongst like a, the media was just having a field day, like creating such divisiveness around yeah. all that stuff at the time. But to yeah. just see like the total counterculture, it's like, well, this is what the spirit's up to, you know, like clearly in the midst of that context. So there was something, despite all the stuff that had been said about it, there was something I think powerfully prophetic that in the middle of that, the spirit was like, no, this is how I'm going to protest in this context. You know, this is what I'm going to use this, this context to actually, I'm going to use it to achieve my purposes in the most unlikely way and the most, with the most unlikely people. You know, I, there's something where I think really just Holy Spirit creativity in that. And I, I love yeah. like, you know, what you're describing as well, like how, it just came about, you know, like the, here's this team that just like in amongst that. And then on top of that, you're on your sabbatical, you know, you're, you're not even, you're not yeah. even working it's a full sabbatical, time. Mate. Uh, I think you've really misunderstood what a sabbatical is, but. But God's like, you know, yeah, well, here he is. And I'm oh, he's, he's, like, he's on break. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's no. like, is the, is there something about that and what happened in that context that do you, do you think like the vision for what a shame is? You've kind of teased this a little bit because like you've had this time for refreshment. Is there something in that you think like, okay, the way we're doing unashamed needs to shift focus or like think of other contexts in which to share the gospel. Young people has yeah, been bro. the the context, but this seems I mean, it doesn't sound like it was just young people in that context being saved. There was any number of ages, nations, creeds, tongues, you know, quite a bit of scripture in there. Like, I'm curious, I'm curious that there, right? Like, is there a, for you, was there something about like, oh, maybe the spirit is doing something a bit different on the back of what happened there? Is that? Yeah, bro, 100%, man, 110%. Yeah, mm. it's it's interesting that you picked that out, bro. Like mm. I um before that happened, I was I was sensing it's funny the Lord does this, but mm. it's like when He's He calls us to a certain type of ministry. He, he in the past He's He's given me he's given me insight and the, you know, a, a specific way to do things. And then it'll mm. just happen. 
you know, or we'll start to, I'll start to have my hand in things and it'll just, I'll get experience in those specific areas. And this was one of those situations. Like mm. I felt um, ministry out on the street, events out on the street, but just more than that, like just the fact that it was just so organic, mm. un uh, unscripted and unplanned. And there was something quite beautiful about the fact that it was just no flashing lights, and but it was just acoustic and mm. you know people out on the street and you know how yeah there there is some some changes that we're going to bring into unashamed and that that is we're hoping to do a whole bunch more stuff out on the street but there's actually you know out on the street like in the center of cities and mm. areas and stuff and mm. also doing it for longer so it's not just one night event like this is multiple nights as well. And it can be a large lead up, but the Lord's put it, put some other stuff on my heart too, um, that I still don't know how they're going to work. And I still don't know how they're going to look fully look, but I'm just trusting that as we make our way forward, he'll begin to give us insight and experience and things will begin to head that way. So, yep. Yeah. There's some different models in which we're going to start uh, working on. Uh, but I just trust the Lord for that timing and exactly how that will look. But I'm thinking organic. I'm thinking uh, I'm thinking not just big, large gatherings in large open areas or in churches, but but in homes. And people's garages with their neighbors, you know. I'm thinking, yes, out on the street. Um, uh, but yeah, in secular environments as well. Hmm. It's yeah. it's uh you're you're a bit of a tease, man, I gotta say. Like, you know, there's a lot of our conversation so far that's just like, oh, watch the space, you know. The Holy Spirit works. That's it. Look at what we've done, and now we're just waiting to see what happens next. <laughs> exactly. exactly. And the, the thing is, though, you know, I, I did think about it. If I didn't take that that time off, mm. I would have never had the opportunity to minister that that way. Yeah. If we just yeah. really kept pushing mm. to run unashamed events the way we did, I would have never had that opportunity. You mm. know. That mm -hmm. opportunity was, you know, life changing, and it scarred my, you know, my heart. It's left a lasting impact, and it mm. will affect my our ministry going forward. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I just trust that the Lord, you know, there's that passage, you know, seek, um, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him or seek His His will in all you do. And he will direct your paths. Yeah. So, you know, I, I trust him. Mm. Mm. Lean not on my own understanding, but I seek his will in all I do mm. and his promises that he will direct my paths. Mm. I just cling to that. I think he's pretty good. As, if your heart's in the right place and you're hungering after him, I'm sure he'll guide you well. Mm. Yeah. I'm, before we uh, do finish up the conversation today, like I'm, I'm aware that this is an opportunity like you're probably someone who by 
orthopraxis by action by pragmatism knows more about like the state of evangelism in Aotearoa currently than a, a lot of our church leadership not do just by hearing about it in books as well so it would be remiss of us if we didn't take an opportunity to actually tease out some questions around that kind of ask you a little bit about like hey like what can we learn about what the spirit's up to in New Zealand based on what you're seeing based on what we're hearing we've heard a little bit about that but I'd love if you'd uh you'd uh entertain us a little more with actually the opportunity to go into some of that depth and nuance would that be something you'd be interested in doing before we finish up today dear brother some questions that perhaps we want to ask to tease around this is well let's start with a, a good kind of like a good exegesis one a good like theological one is evangelism a spiritual gift that some people get and some don't or do you think it's something that all christians should do Good one to start with. What do you think? Yeah, that's good. Uh, the Great Commission, right? Yeah, Jesus turns to his followers and he's, he says, all authority has been given to me. Think about it. This Because this, this is his last words to his followers. Mm. You know? Well, I Personally, I want my last words to be chosen well. And I'm not going to sit next to my kids and on my deathbed... <laughs> I'm not going to say, hey, kids, make sure you brush your teeth. You know? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know? like my, my last words are going to, you know, going to be, they're going to be left the most vivid in the minds of my loved ones. Mm -hmm. And uh, and Christ's words were no different. You know, he said, all authority has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Behold, I'm with you always, even to the ends of his in, even to the end of the age. Now who was he speaking to? Everyone. Well, I mean he was speaking to his disciples, but he was anybody who believed. It's us. It's That's all right. of us. His disciples. Yeah, if yeah, you're a yeah. disciple of Jesus, you mm -hmm. have been called and commissioned to to the same job to make disciples and that part of making disciples is seeing them come to know jesus mm. and mm. then teaching them to observe all that i've commanded you and so the disciple what did that that commission wasn't just given to the the evangelist you know it was given to to the whole church it was given to every um disciple of jesus and so i you know people people might go well what about the evangelist what's their role if it's uh, not evangelism uh, it is evangelism but in ephesians it talks about how god has given gifts to the church for the building up of the saints and one of those is the, the gift of the evangelist the evangelist is given to the church for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry mm. um, alongside the prophet and the pastor and the teacher, etc. And so uh, my role isn't just evangelism, reaching the lost. That's everybody's role. What distinguishes my role from everybody is the fact that I, that I've primarily been called to, to also equip the saints for the work of ministry. And also evangelists tend to have a special grace when it comes to evangelism but that's 
but once again, that's it's for every single believer. And I gotta, I gotta say, it's where the rubber meets the road. Like you can be involved with church ministry, you know, but it can be soul destroying sometimes until you get out of the church and you start spending rubbing shoulders with those who don't know Christ and God begins to work in and through you and powerful mm. things happen. It's like, Oh, mm. you know, my, the Christian life came alive when I started to, to share about Jesus, um, you know? And at the time I was just a kid. I do not think I was any evangelist or anything like that. I was just a normal Christian, uh-huh. you know, and people have labeled that, that that's the case, but you know, yeah, so that, that's what I would say. I would also mm-hmm. say um, that it, it doesn't, you know, sometimes we we overcomplicate evangelism and we think mm. we've got to run some sort of event or mm. we've got to, we've got to recite some sort of script, mm. but it's, it's, it's a lot more simple than that. Okay. Two points. Okay. Fall in love with Jesus. Mm. Okay. Spend time with those who don't know him. Mm. Now, you fall in love with Jesus and you spend time with those who don't know him, then his message will just come flowing, not forced, but natural. Yes. It'll just come flowing because you'll be like, bro, you wouldn't believe it. This, that, the other thing. God did this. God did that. Now, the gospel. It's good to know it, but but honestly, it's got to come from, it can't come from a script or else it's just, you've got to be a witness for Christ. Mm. And yes, the gospel, there's power in the gospel message. And I'm consistently, every time I preach, I'm preaching the gospel message. But um, when you're connecting with people, you don't always need to convey the whole gospel message. Sometimes God just wants, it's like a pizza, okay? Sometimes we love to grab that pizza, just shove it in somebody's gob, you know? <laughs> but they just, at that moment, they just need a slice of that pizza. This is the way my dad puts it. Yeah. And you're trying to give them the whole thing, you know? And at that moment, they're caught up on the fact that God even exists. Mm-hmm. So the whole Jesus thing doesn't even make sense until they come to the place that God exists. Mm-hmm. And sometimes for me, like I'm at the cafe, at a cafe or at something, and I feel like the Lord's called me to speak to the, you know, the waitress. And so, you know, call her over and I say something, you know, in the past I've said, hey, I've just, I know this sounds really weird, but I'm a, I'm a Christian. I felt like the Lord, it felt like God told me to tell you that you are so loved, that he hasn't forgotten that he's real. You, there's a purpose and plan to your life. Mm. And the amount of people that I've just had tear up like right there. Mm. Mm. You know, they just needed to know that. Mm. And that then is a puzzle piece. Somebody else will come along. Mm. You know? Yeah. Mm. Sorry, I was just thinking, um, so I'm I'm a recovering alcoholic. I'm an AA member. And I always found it really interesting um, that AA, I found an AA better evangelists for a higher power <laughs> or for God than I ever found in church um, because they recognize that to stay sober, 
they have to rely on God. They have to rely on a God of their own understanding. But originally it was Jesus. Um, it's kind of gone mm. a little bit outside of that to reach more alcoholics. Um, but they are so aware of their spiritual need for something beyond themselves that cares about them. And they, a part of one of the 12 steps is to share that with other alcoholics so that they can have the same hope, right? So this is just like standard AA 12-step stuff. And yet I find Christians in church are more scared of sharing about Jesus than the crazy alcoholics in AA about sharing about the freedom that God brings mm. to other alcoholics. And I'm like, mm. I often sit in AA meetings and think, man, if church was like this, I would be, I would be so keen for all my mates to turn up because they would all <laughs> understand this a whole lot better than some of the stuff I hear in church sometimes. <laughs> you know, like, and, and that's a real indictment on the church, I think. <laughs> That I find that the AA services mm. are often more evangelistic than mm. than church. Mm. Mm. Oh, you know, there's there's that passage where Peter and John they're entering into the temple. They heal that 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 lame dude, you mm. know, and they have this incredible opportunity mm. to preach the gospel there. They're, they're, they're put, you know, um, in prison for a time, and eventually they're they're released, and and they 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 gather with other believers after that. They go straight. Um, together with other believers and they pray and it says the place that they were um, praying and shook it shook mm. so the powerful situation it says they were all filled with the holy spirit and they continued to preach the word of god with boldness mm. and i i really there was a continued filling mm. i've had situations where i've stepped out in faith and it's like suddenly I am filled to overflowing. It's like rivers. It's like what Jesus talked about um, to the woman at the well. It's like a, a, a fountain of living water mm. welling up to eternal life. Mm. You know, it's just, it come, it's just comes overflowing. It's like, mm. like Jer Zer um, Jeremiah, Jeremiah. Mm. He says it's like a burning, burning fire inside my yeah. chest. I cannot contain it. Yeah, you know, it's, it's it's like that. When it's like that, then once again, again, you fall in love with Jesus. Spend time with those who don't know him. His message will fall out of your mouth, fly mm. in your mouth. And if you're a church, I think the key, the question you got to be asking, and if you're in pastoral leadership, is what is the connection that we're having with our community? Because yeah. often I'm finding that, that that connection is broken. It's like somebody's asked before, if your church stopped operating, would your community know? Would any of your community know? Mm. And the reality mm. is, is a lot of communities wouldn't know and they wouldn't care. Mm. I'm just being honest. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah. I mean, I watched, I watched your uh, Dear Pastor Spoken Word thing. Mm. And bro, you're getting all the jazz clicks from me. Like I was just like, <laughs> I was going, oh, mate, just, mm. this is yeah. It's and it's it's sad, like because I I love the church. Like I fell in love with the idea of the bride of Christ. You know, yeah. like the church is is beautiful and so broken, and it and it should be. It should be filled with broken people. That's um, true. but it's it's sad when Christians can hear a spoken word like yours and totally understand everything you're saying 
you know, mm. like I would love to be able to show that to Christians and then go, I have no idea what he's talking about. My church isn't like that. You know, like mm. that would be amazing. You know, <laughs> like, but, and, and yet that I don't know any Christians who could say that, which is mm. really sad. So yeah, it's, it's, well, I'm, I'm struck as well. Like, cause you mentioned before, Luke, you, you have, you've taken some time to learn the history of evangelism as well. Like you're going into these different contexts and you're seeing this is the work that the spirit's already done. Right. And I think that spoken word, which will, again, we'll link in the description. That is some real potency because it's like, it's examining the way evangelism is being done in New Zealand. And like, you know, we're just missing the mark, you know, just churches, collective individuals. We're just, we've made it something it's not we've like professionalized it like there's there's a number of ways that we've actually kind of like misunderstood like something as simple as the great commission or something as simple as spend time loving jesus you know spend time with people who don't know him right um i'd I'd love to ask you there like um what do you think actually are, are there some pockets of the church that are doing better or worse in this regard um what would you say the state of evangelism is like in New Zealand? And, and maybe then actually, what do you think is need to be some paradigm shift in thinking that would see Christians in New Zealand more effectively sharing the gospel? I, I'm aware of a number of churches here that are mm. smashing it, that are mm. doing an amazing job. And I like look at them and I'm like, wow, like, That's wow. Awesome. What churches um, yeah. are these? Can you debate <laughs> from any of them? But like, I'm just really interested. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I am super impressed by um a church named Legacy, that okay. is in um that is in Palmerston North. Okay. Um, Palmerston North and also uh, Levin. Um, they are really smashing it. Um. I'm also, um, there's some other churches who are doing, now they do it in a certain way, but, you know, that that their connection is very intentional with those out in the community. They're always like, so get this, I was preaching there um, and, uh, um, at their Manawatu, sorry, in their live-in um, church. And, uh, and I noticed, I recognized this lady and I thought, where did I, where do I know her from? Like I've seen her before, and then I worked it out. About a year, a year and a half before, I'd gone with the pastor, and we'd knocked on a door to offer a hand moving some furniture for this lady. She just needed mm-hmm. a help, and she'd reached out, and the pastor was willing to help. Now they had like a community that was the way that they were serving the community. So she dropped it off. We said hi. We didn't, I don't think we said much about Jesus at all. But there she is about a year and a half later. And she is in that church now loving Jesus. Mm. And the next, um, the, the day before, it turns out she'd actually come to an unashamed event, brought her whole family. They'd all given their life to Christ at an unashamed wow. event. <laughs> so it's like, you know, uh, that's just one church. There are other churches, and they're doing it in different ways, and they're reaching different pockets of people. 
there are some churches reaching into, you know, maybe the elderly. Um, mm. So they they run specific things that are that are that are a great way to invite them in. There's like, um, you know, yeah, I could go on. Um, so that yeah, yeah, I would say that there are some church churches really doing a good job. I just, yeah, I do feel as though. Yeah, the church has become uh, I want to be careful the way I communicate this <laughs> but um, yeah would it, would, it, would it help if I give some language and you can respond to it like uh, would that be helpful yeah, I was going to say afraid yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, uh, the I'm church not is afraid. afraid. Man, like, uh, yeah, no, not you, yeah, not you. They, church. Yeah, no, no, think, the church. They, they are, yeah, they are, and I think they've just lost sight of the Great Commission. Mm. Like, this is the mission of the church, the Great Commission. You know, I I come back from unashamed events, and then I I also come back from outreaches and stuff, and like Easter camps, and I have having seen God move in such incredible life-changing ways and then i go along to a service once a week and i'm just you know it's like it's very very hard to communicate it but i i just there is something missing so so um, car carrying on what say christine saying there's there's a disconnect in your local church from obviously what you're seeing, what you're experiencing, your ministry space, and actually what the typical Sunday service experience is like. There's an there's an individualization, there's a privatization of faith that doesn't actually it disconnects with scripture, doesn't it? Because it's actually not what we're seeing in the gospels. It's like people are saying, like, oh, that's two thousand years in the past. Actually, say. Like, no, that's that's the life we could be living right now. Am, am I picking up on some themes that's kind of like, yeah. I think, you know, if I take my, my mind back to when I was a kid, I could see all of this stuff so clear. Mm. Like, oh, dad, why, why do we, like, I don't get it. Like, there's so many, there's so much need. And you were not out there, you know. Um, I I sense I sense that yeah we have just lost sight of the Great Commission, and um, if we could regain that, I think we would find believers rising up into their calling. I think that we'd see churches planted all over the show. I think we'd see churches outside of just a model that has been replicated over and over where you've got to have a fancy band, you've got to have some crazy lighting gig, you've got you know, you've got to have this and that and the other thing. And instead you'd you'd find communities developing that were just hungry after Jesus, who were full on into outreach, who were meeting needs in the community, who were who were growing together and and following jesus together and passionate about his his mission and fellowshipping and spurring each other on to good works see, i see do wonder they, i do wonder if, if we 
sorry like i'm interrupting your flow like as a theme i'm picking up on right it's like you've spoken about a methodology that is really biblically based right and i was listening to something on a podcast even today which says a lot of like the subject is is irrelevant but the one of the key points that was coming across in the podcast is like the things that we do in church and the things that we believe in church are often inherited because of traditionalism and denominationalism and they aren't necessarily in scripture. Whereas with you and what you're advocating, part of the reason we're seeing success, you're seeing success is because it's the way God has outlined in scripture to do things, right? And so when we're doing these things in church, it's like, why isn't God showing up? Uh, do you think that's part of the discussion? Yes, I well? would say that. I would just say, though, that, that you know, I mean, like growing up, I would... You know, I'd go along to church and I'd, I'd then read my Bible and then it would be like, man, this, you know, the book of Acts versus what I'm experiencing here seems miles apart. Mm. Sometimes I do wonder whether we look, we, we forgot about everything, all our experience with, with the church, all mm. of it. Mm. Pretend like we've never been in, a, you know, to, to church before never stepped foot in a church building before. We open up scripture scripture, and we go, okay, Father, um, what, what, what was the key aspects to the early church? We need to include these. Okay, cool. How do we implement this into our culture, into mm. our local context? Mm. Because that will change depending on the local context mm. that you live in. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, it'll change from Naruawahia to Auckland and Auckland mm -hmm. to Wellington, you know, and, you know, all the different pockets of, um, and different neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, I think instead we've just replicated a certain style of church gathering that really appeals just primarily to drawing believers and ultimately <laughs> what we're doing is we're drawing we're yeah yep. um, we're you know we think like often a, a big question to ask is how how many because you might have a booming church but how many of those who are going along to church um have come to christ as a result of that community that church community yeah, that's good. And how much is just transfer growth from other churches? Mm, mm, this is something that I tackle in that spoken word too. And I think we've mm. got to really be honest. Mm. How are we actually doing? Mm. Because if we're if if we're not fulfilling the Great Commission, um, and if we're we're not connecting with our community, what we're doing is we're just probably competing for Christians. Rather than really reaching the lost. So I, I have I have a bit of a question around this and I'm not entirely sure if I know how I'm gonna word it. So um I have a huge respect for um doing ministry uh accountable uh, accountability in ministry. So coming under headship, coming under leadership, things like that, right? Yeah. So which has been a fairly consistent struggle in my Christian walk and trying to do stuff in churches, right? Um, often 
sometimes because I'm a woman um, has has been an issue, um, and sometimes just because I have a different vision than what leadership is looking for and, and that kind of thing. In that context where I, you're still like you're a Christian, you're going to church, you have a passion, you're like, boom, I want to do this, great commission, blah, 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 blah. But I also believe in, in seating myself in an accountable ministry. How do you do that if your church is not like, and you respect your leadership, and you respect their prayerfulness and all that kind of thing, if they're saying, no, we we don't have room for this, we don't want this, we don't blah, 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 and you're like left with, well, either I do this by myself or I put the kibosh on it, how do you see that fitting? Because I think, and, and I know it's not just my walk, I know that there are many Christians I've talked to who have the same issue. Yeah. Um, who may be really passionate in an area to get out there and, and work and outreach and things, and it's just not supported in their church. What 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 do you suggest? What do you recommend? Like, are you are you kind of like, oh, well, throw it all out the window and start your own thing? I mean, like, you know, where where do you where would you head? Oh, firstly, I I, I plead with any pastors listening and church leaders listening, and just get around these individuals they've got a passion um to 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 see god do something just let them loose because if if you don't fail it fails right like what's the worst that could happen i think the difficulty is is that you have what worst that could happen people come to know jesus like i mean, <laughs> you know, I, mean I i do think Pastors often have a one-track mind and they're trying to, it's so much, it's so much work to put on a pastor, to lead a congregation, to lead a service every week, to, you know, maintain the church building and to, you know, it's just heaps. And then to add something else in the mix that they have to consider, it becomes very difficult. Um, also, some pastors struggle with stuff that they, they can't, they feel as though they'll lose control on. Mm, um, yeah. And it could take away people from the church or it could, you know, and I, I think we just need to have that kingdom mindset, um, not be so concerned about our little, um, you know, what we're doing and what God is doing broadly. I have encountered situations personally and I've seen other people in situations in which church leadership has sought to stunt what God is clearly doing, clearly yeah. and undeniably doing, yeah. and a passion that God has given somebody, and they have stunted it over and over and over again. Yeah. And some people, they've just been, they've eventually just given up. Yeah. And my heart's like, oh, you know, and then. And then um, some people haven't. And I, look, I would say this. We we had to battle with this. It was, uh, our church at the time wanted to keep us local. And I love my church past, pastors and stuff, but we knew God was calling us to more than local. We knew mm -hmm. God was calling us to unashamed. And after three years of asking them three times, 
after serving with them, we knew God had called us to step out and we couldn't prolong it any longer. I would say, honor your leadership. Um, yeah. But you've got to do what you know God is calling you to do. And, uh, and yeah, so again, like you, you hear that the Holy Spirit just as much as a pastor and elder. But I would say this. I would say do present what you feel God's calling you to do to somebody in leadership, not necessarily in a church, but somebody that you respect, that you care about, that you that has over time really proved themselves as a faithful servant of, of Jesus and who knows you, who can journey with you and encourage you. Um, and I would say try and journey with your church leadership. But if God has put something on your heart, don't you, you don't let don't let anybody stunt what the Lord is doing. Mm. That's what I would say. No. It might just, it might be controversial, but <laughs> if you know if That's good. if I had listened, mm. there would be hundreds of young people, thousands of young people who would have never placed their trust in Christ if we hadn't mm. stepped out. Yeah, that's good. That's I good. No doubt that that God has been so in us. Mm. But we we would have never experienced that unless we'd stepped out the way the new God was calling us to. Mm. Which, which I love as well, Luke, because you've actually advocated on a couple of instances the idea that actually if you do you might not feel it at the time. You might feel fear. You might feel, you know, fear of man going right back to the start of the podcast, right? But it's like, it's the act of obedience. And it's like, cool, you've stepped out. Now I'll equip you. Now I'll resource you. Now, like, here is the conviction, the words, the capacity to do what I um, have, have in mind for you to do. But I just needed willingness first. You know, I, I that's that's what I see often the spirit doing, right? Um Look, we're 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 running out of time, you know. But uh, I am conscious of, uh, yeah, I know uh, so much. Though. Like we would love an opportunity to have you back again, um, maybe in another capacity, and like actually alongside some other voices, also passionate about similar areas you've spoken on tonight. But yeah, before we close out with our tradition of praying for our guest, we'd love to give you opportunity. Is there anything you'd just like to say in summary of what we said? and or you've kind of already done this a little bit already is there anything you'd like to plug and actually uh yeah around the work you're doing uh something that you particularly are inspired by either or you know and or you know please uh, take that time to do so cool uh yeah bro um couple of things uh obviously it, again i want to bring up the boot camp 100 percent if, uh, if if that's something that you uh, feel for maybe your child or potentially, you know, potentially yourself, if you're watching this and you're a young person, um, then get in touch. Again, we're looking for hungry young people who are really wanting to be used with God and really wanting to grow. Um, so so that's that boot camp. I'd say again, if you want to, um, if, if you're hungry to see God move in your particular area, uh, whether you're young and old, but you're keen to give, uh, really invest time in pulling together um, youth leaders and, and young people together for uh, a gathering, please let me know. We would love uh, to come 
potentially to your area, at least look into it. And, uh, and I would also say, um, if you want to consistently be inspired in this area of outreach and also uh, using uh, creative means of reaching people for Christ, um, some people that I've been super inspired by is a ministry called Steiger. Um, and uh, they are doing some stuff in Europe and, um, and mainly actually in Europe where they use bands and they use artists and uh, they communicate Christ very boldly and courageously, full of the Holy Spirit. Um, uh, and they're reaching many, many people for Christ. I'd mm -hmm. encourage you to check out a podcast called Provoke and Inspire. And uh, it is very encouraging and inspiring i really think that'll encourage you um mm -hmm. other than that maybe follow us follow us on social media so you can keep up to date and um pray for us please <laughs> and actually if you want to sign up to like a newsletter where you find out more information about what we're doing what, what i'll do is i'll i'll we'll add a link in the bio description um where you can sign up uh to that newsletter Love that. Oh. oh, and and of course, uh, we can't forget uh, love Jesus, fall in love with Jesus, and uh, get to know people who don't know him. Get to actually share people. <laughs> That's spend that. time with those who don't know him. That's <laughs> that was it. So, oh, I yeah, fail the test. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> um, Christine, would you like to pray for our wonderful guest tonight? Oh sure. Ah. <laughs> Jesus. Thank you for this opportunity to talk with Luke um, about what he has been doing, what you have been doing through him and through his ministry. Um, it is exciting. It is powerful. You are moving and you are moving mightily and you have swept Luke up for that ride. Um, we thank you for him. We thank you for his passion, for his willingness to follow you. Um, Lord, we pray uh, for him and for his um, energy levels, his uh, mm. ability to do what he needs to do, what he feels called to do, um, what all his dreams and schemes and everything. Yeah. Um, we pray for his wife as she walks this journey with him. Mm. Um, we pray for their marriage, that you are the center, you are the glue, you are um, keeping them strong um, because that can often be a place uh, where attacks happen when the spirit is moving. Um, so, Lord, mm. keep them strong. Keep them strong for their families, for their children. Um, may their children grow in strength and knowledge of you. Um, mm. And may they fall in love deeply with who you are and be the next generation of evangelists in New Zealand as well. Mm. Um, or whatever you call them to. It might be something yeah. completely different, but yeah. may they follow your calling, Lord. Um yeah, thank you for Luke. Lord, um, we pray for Unashamed and for that ministry and that you will mm. continue to develop it and grow it and lead it where you want it. Um, we lift it all into your hands and give it to you and, and thank you for who you are and what you do in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Mm. Mm. Oh, bless you, brother. What a delight. Thank you so much. Yeah. So good. So good. Listen so is good. mine. <laughs> <laughs> so good, guys. Mm. Awesome. Um, 
we're about to be kicked um so uh we should all go get some sleep <laughs> great to chat yeah. bless you guys hey eh? love you so much so, thanks again luke yeah thank you luke no we'll problem. be in touch and that about wraps us up for our interview with luke collis thanks again so much for listening coming up on two or three gathered we have an interview with dr jackie lloyd uh, a few conversational casts addressing topics of passion and interest and a trial at our second live cast christians commenting on culture Thank you for your interest and support. Sharing helps us reach new listeners and audiences. So if this blessed and edified you, please consider plugging us on social media. Uh, listen to us on Anchor FM. Why Anchor FM is the hub of your preferred podcast platform. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube also. And you are also more than welcome to join our growing community on Facebook. Links to all of the following are in the description. As always, thanks again for gathering with us.